Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Muslim Said Trick Podcast where we hope to educate, inspire and entertain on issues relevant to Muslim life. I'm your host Aman. In this third episode, we look at the emotional and mental health of boys and men, particularly in the context of the challenges they face in adolescence, the role of the father figure, how mothers are taking up the slack and suggestions of what may help. I found the discussion on absent fathers particularly relevant and how expectations between generations have changed. Our guests include Scottish-born Islamic scholar Sheikh Amr Jamil of the ISILBIS programme and Ustad Shokat Aksi, a real pillar of the Glasgow community. And if you want to know more about them, you can find out individual interviews that I did about their life stories on this Muslim-centric podcast with the Desert Island Gem interviews. Uh, so just scroll through and find one of the previous episodes if you want to hear more about them. Thanks again to Radio Ramadan Glasgow where we first broadcast this series and you can check out their website at rr365.co.uk and please do have a look at our updated website muslimcentricpodcast.com which has lots of resources and the Desert Island Gems. Remember to please like and subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends and families wherever you get your podcast from. And remember, you can follow us on social media. So I hope you enjoy the podcast and I look forward to speaking to you soon. So welcome to Raising the Next Generation of Boys and Men on Radio Ramadan. We, um, we see differences in the development, milestones, habits, behaviours, physical, mental and emotional health and success rates between boys and girls. Girls develop language skills earlier. Boys have more instances of diagnosis of ADHD. Girls get better exam results. Boys are less likely to have the same support networks that girls have and men are less likely to seek mental health services compared with women. So this series looks at the unique challenges associated with raising the next generation of Muslim boys and men. And in our third and penultimate episode, we'll be looking at the emotional and mental health in men. And uh, I'm your host, Abdul Wadud, and uh, co-hosting with me is Aman Darani. Uh, Brother Aman, how are you doing? Alhamdulillah, all good. How are you keeping? I'm okay, I'm okay. Got a little bit of a cough. Good. (laughs) But I'm really excited in terms of this topic in particular. So as you know, we've been covering other um, topics throughout the series uh, in this Ramadan. And today's a really interesting one because it's about the mental and emotional health. And we've got a guest with us. Uh, Obviously, we have Sheikh Amr uh, Jamil, who's joining us every week. Um, Many of you will know Sheikh Amr. He's uh, involved in Unity Family Services and uh, one of the founding directors of ISILBIS program. And I guess part of that is raising the educational and Islamic knowledge of the whole of society, really, the whole of UK. Um, so, Sheikh Amr, Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. And we're really uh, blessed to have Brother Shokat Aksi. Uh, many people call him Ustad Shokat. Shokat, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having us, Edi. Thank you very much. So, firstly, Shokat, just to, because you're our new guest for today, uh, yeah. tell us a bit about yourself and um, how some of your experience might be useful in terms of today's topic. Um, been um, like yourself, you've been working with young people, young men for a long time um, in regards to uh, youth work um, and it's kind of been a very sort of journey in terms of the type of youth work I've been doing initially it was like, you know, involved in youth clubs Islamic youth clubs and various other things uh, but kind of moved on from there to working with um, young offenders in prisons which was um, a very interesting um, time for me in terms of uh, learning and understanding and talking, you know, like today's topic about emotional and mental well-being, these kind of things, you kind of really see it for real um, in people's situations, in people's lives. Young people, particularly young men who end up in prison, why do they end up in prison? 
you know, again, as you know, it's to do with their, 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 their well-being in terms of mentally and physically as well. Um, so it's been quite an interesting journey. Um, I don't do that as much now. Um, however, I'm still involved with youth work at other, you know, teaching and various other things as well. Um, so I still engage with a lot of youth work in Glasgow, yeah. Excellent. And we'll re- hopefully um, draw on some of that experience, Inshallah. but also some of the advice yeah. and tips in terms of addressing this. Um, Shikama, you, you've, you know, you spend a lot of time with students, particularly at the university level, but also married men and, and, and young people children i'm sure you get countless aunties and uncles coming up to you say look uh you know help guide my son or my daughter they've got issues or they're in a bad crowd and stuff um do you get a sense is this an issue that you come across on a you know frequent basis in terms of these young men um having emotional uh, difficulties or uh, struggling in terms of coping with day-to-day life yeah, I think um, <clears throat> modern, uh, just modern living has brought its own challenges uh, in terms of even like um, the role of uh, young men, uh, what's expected of them, uh, what is it, what does society expect of them, um, obviously portrayals in the media, and then obviously they have like a religious kind of perspective as well, what's expected on from, from them religiously. Um, I mean, one interesting thing that I was um, I read um, it was one of these um, relationship books. So this is like non-Muslims. This is just secular reading. Um, so in preparation for like my marriage material, and it was a really interesting comment, which was in the past um, women would select a spouse based on the fact of that he could provide. He was a strong provider. Um, you know, best like kind of best survival chances for their children, etc., etc. So you know th- they didn't really go for the flashy things. It was more like kind of the, the more kind of uh, uh, pragmatic kind of approach. Um, and then it said that the 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 life of the modern man has changed because women still want that, but now they want them to be more in touch with their feelings, more in touch with their like emotions. Um, so, so it's almost as if the demands of uh, men now are very different from the demands uh, a couple of generations ago. If you think of our grandparents, for example, or say our granddads, um, I mean, how much time did they sit uh, with their sons, talking them through all these kind of things? I mean, the things which are very common now, uh, you wouldn't have imagined them doing. So, for example, many of us, uh, and Stad Shock is an expert in this field, uh, changing nappies. <laughs> um, you know, this is something which has become also common now. In fact, uh, um, I was talking to one sister, she was saying that there was a sheikh who was teaching an Arabic class, and he just said, uh, um, just give me five minutes, my daughter's just um, soiled her nappy, I need to change her nappy. And they were obviously applauding him like the model model father isn't it were the, were the, all, all the men shaking their heads saying, <laughs> this is now what we're expected to do it was an all female, all female class but the thing was the thing was like um, you know your granddad wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't have, that wasn't a reality for your granddad it wasn't expected that those things were not society did not expect those things from him whereas now these things are actually almost like a, a norm now uh, just to add on from what Sheikh Amr was mentioning there about your initial question about parents um, you know about their their sons particularly, and, and you know, as you know, kind of volunteer at Mizan and teach young boys there. And one of the things I always get, I mean, probably every week or every other week, I'll get a mum coming up to me and saying, you know, my son, can you help him, um, or he needs support. Um, and it's that kind of age group of like 
12, 13, 14, 15, that kind of age group, because that's a very crucial age group. And it's that case of whereby, you know, mum's done everything that she possibly can as a mother, as a role, you know, her, her responsibilities, you know, caring, loving, nurturing, all those kind of things, she's done that. So it's that case of whereby, you know, the father has to step in and take a bigger role, as if, like, it has to shift a little bit towards the dad rather than the mum, um, particularly boys, is, you know, kind of reason boys on the topic we're talking about. And that's where the... And I think a lot of households have that issue where, you know, the, that particular crucial point where dad needs to play a bigger role... It's not happening, you know, if you get what I'm saying, sorry. So why are they coming to you, Shokat? No, they're coming why, to... Why, why are they not going It's that usual thing, and I think uh, Sheikh Amor will give me the thing, we've got a magic wand. Yep. <laughs> no, but why are they not going to the you fathers, know, the brothers, the uncles? The thing is, it's that thing about... And that goes to show you, if uh, you know, talk about emotional well-being and uh, mental well-being, it shows you the dynamics within the house, that they're not... So there's something th missing, you know, in terms of communication. There's something missing in terms of um, being able to kind of everybody changing roles or ch you know changing their ways. Because you know, as, 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 as Sheikh Hamar said, you know, you know, if we look at our fathers and our grandfathers, they were very set in their ways. It was this way or no way. You know, it just wasn't happening. You know, changing nappies or feeding the baby or even you know, I remember when we were in Pakistan, I carried my daughter, and it was like, why are you calling it? Why are you carrying a baby girl? You can carry a boy, but you can't carry a girl in the village. And I'm like, what? It's my daughter, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's that kind of stuff, and you're thinking, okay. Um, and unfortunately, that kind of still filters through in some you know, some of the generations, unfortunately. And that's why we have some of these issues, I think, is due to some of these cultural sort of, um, you know, barriers and obstacles. Yeah, I, I mean, like, you know, just in the preparing for this show, I was uh -huh. reading a little bit as well, but... There's a biological element as well here yeah. in terms of emotional, like, you know, apprehension to discuss your emotions for boys. And uh, it's like a big biological switch that happens about the eight-year-old, eight-year mark, where they just, they'll become, like, really internal, won't talk about their feelings, be less affectionate. Um, and from the book I was reading, it seemed like a lot of mothers are very concerned about this aspect. Mm -hmm. And as a, as a kind of tutor for high school students, mm -hmm. I've had, you know, right through yeah. to 14, 15, 16 as well, the same kind of comments that you've kind of mentioned yeah. as well. Yeah. And it's true. I think it's more that it's you're a, male, you're a male role model in that sense and you're seen as somebody that's engaging with the child. But again, I, even if I try to address those problems, you know, some parents come to me and saying, oh, I think they've got minor depression or something mm, like that. Mm. I'm not at all equipped to kind of deal with those issues. But even if I try to engage the you know the boy in that kind of discussion they're very they're very unlikely to kind of respond to it or openly discuss it so you have to kind of go round about mm -hmm. well. so that's the bit I'd like to drill down a bit more um, is look you know if you're an alien coming from another universe you'd come and you look at this family so this boy's got some questions or some issues who's he going to go to he's going to go to his dad or his brother you know big brother or uncle or auntie okay and yet we're finding actually that people are going out with the family to seek that help, etc. Yeah. So I guess I, I want to drill down a little bit. What's missing at home or what has changed that they're now going to uh, somebody who's known in the community? They're going to an imam. You know, why are they looking for these role models elsewhere? What's absent at home? Anyone? I think I, I think I think yeah, it's a really important point. And I think first of all, as you're saying, is that kind of you know duties and responsibilities of parents knowing where, where their child is at 
if if the child, for example, is going to a third party to kind of share or express his emotions, that's a good thing. You know, it's not at least they've got a channel or they've got a medium where they can go or a person they can go to and feel that they can share some of their issues or or um, you know some of their emotions, some of the what they, what they're feeling at the time. It's a positive thing, but again, it's like, how do we? Um, are they going to the right person? Is something going to, be, you know, is there support for them, or is there somebody who's going to reach out and say, well, "What can I do for you?" You know, it's fair to do is going to an uncle or someone else, and then you know, it's a conversation that ends there. You know, child's looking for something. The reason they've opened up to you, or the reason they're communicating with you, is that they want something. It's their kind of cry for help. If you get what I'm saying, that's what's going on for that young person. So if you don't, if you don't at least acknowledge it. He's not coming back to you, you know. He's not going to kind of engage with you, but at least you acknowledge it. Say, look, I hear what you're saying. Um, you know, I'm listening to what you're saying. Maybe we'll have a chat about it this way, or you know, and it's kind of that kind of thing we are talking about CPTs and NLPs. And that is giving them an alternative way to think about the situation that they're in, or the dilemma that they're in, or what emotion they're feeling, thinking it in a different way. But that's something obviously it's done later on. But that initial stage, as you said, that channeling, at least it's something. And so could, some people, because sorry, because some people don't even channel, yeah. hold it in, yeah. and that's where the danger is. When young people hold it in, hold it in, hold it in to the point of where, you know, they're in their teens or older, you know, they're in a relationship, they get married, and then all of a sudden, you know, that's where she yeah. hammer steps in. But you know, that's where the situation arises, and it goes on, and that's where the you talk about emotional well-being that affects quite a lot of people and quite a lot of things in later life. Could it also be that the reason that the young men or the boys go to a third party is because the people at home are sometimes part of the problem? Mm. It might be to do with their dad or their uncle or well, it's, it's, other issues growing up, and so that's why maybe it's not. You know, it might be quite a healthy yeah. thing to go and. Sp- speak to another role model outside yeah. Um, yeah, I think this is uh, quite um, I mean th- that point's very important because uh, I don't think anyone's going to disagree that people or, or boys should have good role models good male role models um, unfortunately if you work in the community you'll know that n- if not all the time that you see that uh, people are fulfilling that role properly so half the problem is if they have bad role models uh, and this obviously, I mean, this compounds into so many issues. I mean, if they're, this is, I mean, I deal with marriage problems, and um, one of the things, like, like Stashok was saying, like later on it might manifest. If they've been watching a bad example uh, in the home, that becomes normality to them. That becomes a frame of reference of that. Okay, that is what, uh, that's how you behave with, um, you know, uh, uh, the person of the opposite sex. It's like, say, for example, if there's violence or something. Um, or you know the fact that your your father never took an active interest. So well, that's just what fathers do. Then that, that you think that is that's that that is what I'm supposed to do as well. And then you're like, no, no, no. You that's not that's not what you should be doing. You should be doing something completely different. So a lot of it's learned behaviour. Um, and then um, I mean, I've even had instances where uh, not I've not learnt myself, but through another person that the person said, I wish Sheikh Amr was my dad. You know, because the thing is, they're looking at their reality, and then they're looking at, say, like a teacher or somebody outside, and they're thinking, "I wish my father was like that." that sure, I, it wasn't. I wish Shekhamo was my husband. Is that, <laughs> is that with some of these? Never heard that. No. <laughs> uh, but um, I think that, and also, 
interestingly, what um, I mean, the thing is, okay, what are you doing with, with, with the, the situations where the person is a bad role model, which is why they're reaching out to someone like Stash Shocker, right? Okay, what do I do with my child? And if you say, well, you know, it's your father's, uh, it's the father's responsibility. Well, my father, well, he doesn't really, he, you know, he's not very good at communicating or blah, 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 blah. So there's always, obviously, there's a reason why they've come looking for outside help, number one. Number two is if they're, uh, I mean, if that is the reality, there is a bad role model, you have to then replace that with a good role model. So you have to say, right, okay, who, uh, what other males have input in your child's life? Uh, and if they're all kind of bad, well, then you need to you need an, a positive input. And this is this can also help with um, single parents. So single parents who, like you said, the mother's done everything, she's given all the love, all the rest of it, but he's got to an age where he needs that kind of male input. Then she's got to um, see, okay, who in my say my extended friends or family can play that role. It might be. Uh, uh, your 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 brother-in-law. It could be a cousin. It could be somebody else who's a good, just a good male. And it's just speaking to that person to say, look, don't do it directly, but indirectly, just you know, uh, just touch base with them every so often. And the thing is, it's so easy now because you have things like WhatsApp and all sorts of things. There's very, it's very easy now. It's not like you have to, oh my, I have to go out my house, go to the other person's house, sit there for ten minutes or twenty minutes. That's taking two three hours out of my time. Mm-hmm. Now you can just send a little video. And just say, oh, your nephew, I was, you know, I was, I was, I came across this video, and I was, I think it's really good if you watch that. And why don't we kind of, uh, why don't you watch it, and then we'll have a little uh, chit chat about it. And the last thing is um, what uh, Stash Shocker was talking about, uh, and also actually what uh, Abdul Wadud mentioned there about this kind of shift at the age of seven or eight. And interestingly, if you look at the custody laws that we have in Islamic law, like say in the Hanafi school, they actually say that. Um, I mean, all the schools agree that the the child should remain with the mother until they say what they they say the sin of Tamiz, the the age of discernment, and they actually approximate it to be around seven eight years old, whereby, uh, like say the Shafi school and Hanbali school, they say the child chooses, but the Hanafi school actually says at that point that the male should actually go and live with the father, and if you look at the reasoning of it, they say that because in the first seven years he needs um, the care of the mother. Um, but at that age, he actually needs the discipline of the father more than the care of the mother. Uh, I mean, the parents are always involved in, in the child's life, but it's a bit weird as a child reside and under whose roof. They actually say at that point, um, he should be living with his father because he needs that um, disciplinary kind of stage of his life. He needs somebody to kind of take him through the, the next stages, which the mother might not be the best suited and the father would be more suited to that. Yeah, and, and, and adding to that, I think also, I think, um, you know, the, the importance of this sort of change or this stage in life, I think uh, as much as we hope, we, we step, hope that father will step up to, even, even you know, when we say step up to, I mean, not, you know, changing our lifestyles or, you know, doing mega things, just taking interest, for example, steps of what your son likes, you know, for his sins, he might be a man you support, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, take interest in Manu. Find out a bit about them. Find out, you know, who who their who their who their new manager is. You know, losing all these games now. Thankfully, you know, all these different things about who they're who they're going to buy next year. You know, just interest in that in itself. Um, what that does is it it, it it opens up the child to say, look, my father's 
you know, no, he, he gets what I'm where I am or my interests or whatever else. Um, or for example, I don't know, going out, you know, just asking, just having a chat in the car, picking up from school, you know, sometimes, you know, we don't, we're not even at that level or even sitting around a dinner, mm. you know, sometimes you sit around a dinner, what do we do? We turn the TV on. You know, we leave the TV to be the master in the house and let that dictate what's going to happen. All right, we do that and probably do that from time to time, but just engage like something on the TV or did you not see... You know, it's a case of taking small steps that can make a big difference. But sometimes, like, as fathers, we're kind of frightened even to do that, that we might mess it up or, you know, our son think, you know, dad's kind of going at a level where I've never seen them and it seems very strange or whatever else but it's kind of is coming down to that level if you look at the example of the Prophet peace be upon him again when the young Sahaba and as we know there was many many young Sahaba who lived in and around the house of the Prophet Sallallahu and look at his example he took interest in what they were doing you know what things they, what, how they behaved you know when they did something they not he acknowledged it well done alhamdulillah you know that was good and uh, when something wasn't as good the way he did it you know it wasn't oi you know yeah. <laughs> or whatever else it was very you know a very uh, decent way he would speak at their level you know come down at their level you know kneel down to their eye level almost to say you know this that and other to explain things but those are tips those are little things that people could do but and so I guess to summarise some of what we're saying, I guess we're talking a lot about role models and both within the house and out with the house and the impact that has both in terms of um, this young boy's development. And I guess there's m many parallels with, with young girls as well, but I think I guess we're focusing a little bit about um, the boys as an issue. Uh, and it's really interesting, I, I, I interviewed um, Sheikh Asim Yusuf a few years ago and uh, there's something that resonated with me is, you know, he's a doctor as well. And he talked about his father was a doctor, I think, when he was growing up. Mm. And he goes, his father used to work away a lot. In particular, uh, you know, if you know many doctors, the first generation migrants, they would end up getting jobs in the middle, you know, remote areas, be away a lot, or working a lot. And he said that his father used to work away a lot. But what he remembers, because I asked him then, well, did you feel that absence? You know, you're the male of the house type of thing. And he goes, I never felt absent because when he came with us, we had his undivided attention. Yeah. And it was more about the quality and interaction yeah. was more important than the quantity. And that really resonated because conversely, you can see many situations where dads are around a lot. Yeah. But yeah. if the quality is not, you know, not, they're not asking them yeah. over dinner. You know, I mean, one thing I noticed, which more recently is um, my eldest, you know, in high school, I kind of take, you know, take him in the car and it means I have to get up a bit earlier now than I used to, you know, <laughs> it's a bit of a detour. But actually, those 20 minutes I find quite useful. Yeah. It's you know, yeah. just us time because with other kids and stuff. So I think, I mean, what, what are your thoughts in terms of this quality versus quantity? Because it works both ways either people that are absent a lot but then they had the quality or fathers that are there around all the time and there's actually no quality to it and they can sometimes make the situation worse so be welcome to hear people's thoughts on, yeah, I mean, on that I mean like you're saying the father can be around but if he's in effect absent it's as if he's absent so emotionally absent you yeah mean? yeah yeah so I mean whether he's there or not there it's as if he's not there so um, it's a you're right it's about the the quality engagement I think what Stad Shoko was talking about about taking an interest in your in your son's life, I think for me, um, uh, unfortunately, we do this a lot. We tend to wait until we have a problem, and then we're having a radio show saying, "Right, what do we do? We've got a big problem in the community," and this this is something that we do um, very regularly. And this is why, in 
what I try to do with a lot of my work is I always try and look at okay, how do we prevent stuff from happening. So, so if it was marriage, I've got a premarital course because I think if you can if you can get all the things right from the beginning, you have less problems later. Similarly with um, uh, what Stat Shock is saying, the thing is the kid's not going to start talking to you if for. 10 years of its life you've not been talking to him mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you might talk you'd be like oh that's a bit weird isn't it oh my dad wants a hug that's a bit weird isn't it He's a, my, my dad's a weirdo so the thing is it has to happen from the word go from early years uh, and, and we know this that children um, pick up everything they pick up absolutely everything they're just com- they're completely absorbing everything that's happening around them like sponges so if from the early years um, you are used to for example hugging them if they're used to seeing you pray, if they're used to seeing you being kind and nice to their mother, um, if they're used to uh, use seeing you share your food with your mother, for example, with their mother, or sharing food with them, or you know, so you you're teaching them through through your actions, and you're talking to them constantly, and you you chit chat with them. Um, if you're if you've been communicating with them from a very early age then that will continue, that habit's going to continue. The problem is that what happens is you've been behaving in a certain way for 12, 13 years, then all of a sudden your kid seems to you to be out of control. You go and speak to Stadshocket, Stadshocket, I've got a problem, my kid's 12, 13 years old, he's behaving like this and that, what do I do? (laughs) And you're like, well, what we could have done is had a conversation 12 years ago Mm -hmm. when he was born, and I could have told you what you should have done then. And you wouldn't then have to have this conversation now. So it's almost as if, you know, a problem's created and then you're trying to um, kind of put the, the plaster on the injury, but the injury's already there. So it, a lot of it's damage control by that mm. point, and that's not really a solution. I mean, one of the things I think really uh, is amazing, and uh, there's, a, there's a, a scholar called Habib Mashur uh, al-Adani uh, from, from, from Aden, and he's got this concept called al-Madrasa al-Abawiya, which is basically... Uh, you could translate it to as the fatherly um, school. And so he, he talks about a lot about the, the, the role of... If you look at a lot of these scholars, you see that their their parents played a big role in their upbringing. Um, you see that the fathers had an active role from the word go. They might have not taught them directly, but they would have selected their teachers. So they selected the environment. They were controlling everything. They were keeping an eye on their development. Um, and so... You know, it shows you that they had an interest from the word go. And then, um, sorry to bring this up, but if you look at Ertugu, right, um, I think it's r- really interesting how you see Ertugu, how he interacts with his father. You know, his father's a stable, strong figure. He's got a lot of respect for him um, and the way he speaks to him. But at the same time, he's got a different relationship with his mother. So, for example, when he wants to marry, what's her name, Halima Sultan. Uh, and obviously his father wants him to marry somebody else. Who does he go to? He goes to his mother. You know, so this is this, this macho alpha male, right, who we've got all this respect for, and we think, you know, his enemies are scared of him, but he's sitting there, and he's talking to his mum, and he's saying, mum, my heart's on fire, you know, what do I do? And so he's he's pouring his heart out to his mother. Now, that doesn't detract from his kind of, like, manliness or his masculinity, but it shows you that that... He, he didn't just wake up... Um, thought right, I've got a problem who'd I go to his mother's obviously brought him up like that that when you have a problem and you can't speak to your dad about it come and speak to me so mm. so that that she's brought him up like that 
and that relationship then will continue so that as you know, as he gets older you know he does he keeps he keeps going back to his mother for that role so i think um for people listening you must get this right from the word go there there's you know it's not parenting doesn't start at eight nine ten parenting starts even be, even even before pregnancy I'd um, like to just pick up on something that we were talking about before the break was talking about role models and fathers and um, some of us are fathers in the studio. Your inshallah will be a father soon. Inshallah. I was just I'd really interested to hear your perspective in terms of do you have you thought about what sort of father you would be or what are the, what are the things that you've because you know seeing your own father or fathers around you that these are sort of so I guess trying to think in terms of the modern man the Gillette type of man uh, but the modern man in terms of what because I guess post having a child it might change a lot as, so I'm not asking the jaded lot on the other side of the table but from your perspective in terms of what are these um, any thoughts that you have in terms of you know what sort of father you might be or should aspire to be no I, I guess I mean it's something I've thought about um, but in terms of what we've been talking about, I think you know one of the big things for me is being a present father, um, actually being there, and you know the, as we talked about quality of time more so than quantity of time. Mm. Um, I think a big thing as well. I mean, this might be a little bit selfish, but I think to be able to be like you know to be at full capacity as a father, you need to make sure that you yourself are in good shape, so to speak. I mean, mentally, emotionally, and all these kind of things as well. Um, of course, one of the one of the concerns is you know having that responsibility, and you know there's always the kind of thought in the back of my mind about financial and all the of all these kind of aspects of fatherhood as well. Um, so the big thing for me would be to make sure that I keep an eye on myself as well a little bit in terms of you know making sure that I'm I'm yeah. in a good state because yeah. I think parenthood can be especially <coughs> nowadays can be something that's very insular. Um, just you know they say it takes a village takes a village to raise a child um but we're living in like nuclear families so i think it's something my wife and i have talked a lot about the other thing is is a big aspect is looking to those people that you know we do see as role models including my own father including my teachers you know sheikh amr sheikh Rudwan, stad shock definitely right it's i mean all these people are like you know you you generally you take the good from wherever you find it so uh, I think yeah, that's that's definitely some of the thoughts I've gone in. And I'm going to ask my other guests this, but from your perspective, where do you think that balance is between as a father being a friend versus being, a, I guess, not a parent, but so, you know, a disciplinarian? Mm-hmm. Because one of the issues that often comes up is that in our elder generations, you know, they weren't our friends, really. You know, dads mm-hmm. would, would tell you what to do, uh, and now there's very much a expectation. We we're talking about expectations of males earlier on is that you should be friend and emotionally available. Mm. Um, and I think that sometimes, you know, people have differing views yeah. around that. So what are, you, what are your thoughts in terms of... I mean, I, I'm going to personally play it by ear. I think uh, if I did anything else and tried to be like a prescriptive approach with every child, I think you're going to... Because each child has their own needs, mm. right? And uh, different ages, they need different different things as well. I wouldn't go so hard with disciplining a, a two-year-old. Uh, it's going to be tough to do that. They can't make sense of the world, really. Um, but I think, yeah, it's a, it's like transitional phases more than anything, right? I mean, um, Sheikh Hammer, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, they say there three development stages of the child as well. I mean, maybe you can talk a little bit about it. Yeah, so, so I mean, this is, I mean, it's not, some people wrongly ascribe it to a hadith. It's not a hadith. 
um, said to be the uh, saying of Sayyidina Ali. Um, but basically, the concept is 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 very true, and um, even like all the kind of research that you look at now, it kind of backs it up. So basically, the advice is that for the first seven years, you let the child play, uh, and I think people underestimate the value um, of play. I remember reading one of these painting books that um, play for a child at that age is like work for an adult. So just like what we get out of work, how much importance we give it, um, that's how much importance they give play. So they're learning a lot through play. I mean, I think you can you can obviously, um, you know, uh, uh, choose the play that they have. I mean, there's, there's a difference between giving them video games um, and giving them things like Lego. Uh, so I know like my son, he, you know, I got him Lego on purpose and uh, he spends lots, long, lots and long, lots of time like, making things and it's, I'm amazed actually the stuff that he can make <laughs> at such a young age you know but it's you're 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 invoking their imagination uh, lately I actually just uh, I bought a chess set um, because again you're developing the mind so that ticks so many boxes so you're picking a, 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 a play which is going to develop their mind but it's something I'm, I'm interacting with him mm -hmm. as well so I'm playing with him so it'll be me against him and then um, you know, and then I'm teaching him through that as well. So I'll be like, "Why did you do that? I'm going to kill you now. I'm going to kill your knight." <laughs> and he's, "Oh no, 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 no! Okay, okay, I'll let you. I'll let you do it again, right?" So you're basically, you know, you already you're you're getting into that role that I'm the I'm the teacher. Mm -hmm. you're, you're you're the student. I'm the teacher. I'm I'm here to facilitate you. So so you can be quite clever, in uh, in how you do that. And then they say that between seven and fourteen, uh, the next seven years is the age of uh, teaching them and advising them. So the, this idea of up to seven, they're in this play state, and this has been proven now through research that after seven, something does happen where whereby they um, go into more of a learning state. So um, a lot of a lot a lot of the kind of better education providers in the world they start their education, formal education, a bit later, six seven years old, and they have better uh, results because the child's basically ready for it. Then, so from seven to, to 14 um, is the kind of um, teaching them, advising stage kind of thing. And then when they get to 14 to 21, the advice is to um, just advise them or befriend them. Um, so in other words, almost like they're independent or they're semi-independent, you're kind of just um, supporting their independence. Um, and obviously at 14, most of them are going to be, uh, have gone through puberty. So from an Islam perspective, they're actually adults now. They're responsible for their own prayers, fasting, zakat, everything. They're kind of responsible for all these things. So our job is to kind of prepare them um, for that. So that at that, that 14, 15, they're actually mature, independent, uh, young. I mean, I, 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 was, I had my uh, pre-marked course I'd put it online and I was doing a Facebook Live and one of the mothers was saying, when is the right time for my child to get married? I said, well, and she kept saying child, she kept saying the word child, and I said, if you're going to get married, he's not a child. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's, he's, a, he's a man, you know, and this is the thing, you, you know, if you are saying my child this much, I said, you're already, you're deciding for him everything, you, you, he shouldn't be getting married because he's still, he's still a kid, you're treating him like a kid. Mummy's boy. He's a mummy's boy, right? Mm. So it's, it's almost like the parents need to shift their mindset that look, okay, m at, at puberty, right, he or she is an adult now, and that's why I mean, look. If you look at all of the 
uh, the, the parents, when do they have serious, like, when do they turn to you for serious advice? Oh, my kid's a teenager and just, like, you know, doesn't listen to me and all the rest of it. It's because there's something going on there. They get into the, uh, what's called in Arabic, that. it's like, you know, their their identity as an individual is now being, being established, which is why, what do they They want respect? Um, they want their views to be taken on board. So then it's not just to say, well, I've got more life experience, be quiet. Uh, which is maybe what we were kind of uh, taught, right? Um, but at that point, is to actually engage with them, okay, and say, okay, that's fine. Why are you saying that? Okay, that's, a, that's an interesting viewpoint. And, and, and well, I look at it like this, and this is my reason. So it's almost like your 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 the way you teach them has to change. It has, has to be a shift where you're kind of doing it in a more indirect, almost like a big brother kind of figure. Um, but this idea of being friends doesn't mean. That they can insult you and you know this lack of respect and all the rest of it. That that respect has always got to be there. You've got to, you've always got to see I am the parent, but it's just that the way you interact with them maybe becomes less formal, becomes a bit more easygoing. You 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 respect their wishes, even if you know it's absolutely wrong. Sometimes you've got to let people just fall and make a mistake and say right, okay, what did you learn from it? You know, and, and this modicotling. Uh, attitude. I mean, I deal with, with couples, so I deal with married couples, and some of these some of these guys are like like kids, and the, the, and the sisters are saying that that they're they've been modicoddled. You know, they they can't do anything in the house. They they still have the mum like making their tea and and you know and beta this and beta that. And the guy's like almost forty. You know, I mean, I was on the phone the other day to. A sister, she's considering someone for marriage, and the guy's in his fifties, and um, he's worried that his his parents, um, uh, you know, might not be for this. I'm like, the guy's in his fifties, and he's like worrying about like what his parents are going to say, and it's almost like uh, he needs permission, and he needs to like, you know, he's going to get someone else in the family to speak to his parents, and so I'm like, so partner, the guy's in his fifties now, you know, if 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 you can't. If you can't like um, stand your feet at that point, then what, what, you know, what can you do? So that that's a that's a cultural thing there. Yeah, um, uh, just just on a, a personal level, I mean, d- disclaimer as well. I've got three daughters. I don't have any sons, so I don't know why I'm on the show. But anyway, um, you'll be dealing with some we, of these we, when they're older. When they're old, well, this you is, this trying is to find a, a boy for them. You'll well, like, go, what? Going back to the the, 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 the the saying from Imam Ali that uh, Sheikh Ahmed quoted about seven, 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 um, seven uh, nurturing, seven disciplining, seven uh, befriending. Uh, in the house, I've got, I've got like a four-year-old and a five-year-old. Don't get that right. Yeah, four and five-year-old. Then I've got an eighteen-year-old. So it's a bit of an age gap in the house. So that, I mean, that's a prime example where, you know, my daughter, oldest daughter, she's gone through that disciplinary teenage sort of age group. Um, she's eighteen, nineteen, and now obviously it's that kind of befriending thing. Um, and that is hopefully I'm playing that role more so. Um, where now there is. You know, she's any any issues that she has, be that college or uni or whatever. Um, she, she will contact myself or uh, or her mum. Usually, it's her mum first thing, which is fine, um, because between ourselves, we share everything anyway, regards to obviously what's what's been happening. Um, and then, obviously, on the other, spe- other side of the spectrum, I've got a four year old and a five year old, um, where again, I'm talking about you know caring and loving and nourishing and things like that as well, but. It's interesting in the sense that, you know, we're looking at the younger ones to see will she turn out the same as the older one? And that's some 
that's a mistake on our side because uh, you know as, in parents as well sometimes we expect that you know they might have two or three kids two or three boys oh the older one was fine what happened to the younger one you know you hear that sometimes as well you know or he's he's not the same as him I thought you know we've done everything you know, we brought him up the same way but you know son number two has gone like this way and son number three one is an angel and he listens to mum and dad and everything else and you know it's that kind of thing and I think as parents as well you've got to you know as somebody said it's like you know it's like the fingers on your hand everybody's different you can't treat your children the same way even although you might go through a particular process like like, as I said the seven early stage and seven later stage but what the outcome will be Allah knows best Mm -hmm. but the thing is you need to be ready for it as a parent that you know I expect I'll do what I can but I might not get the same result because as I said everybody's different because again you know as they're growing up they're going to school they've got a different set of friends probably in a different gen- not a generation but going through a different phase you know priorities are different you know one might think you know as I said the older boy everybody's thinking mashallah doctor one again engineering this that and other what's happened to this one he's not doing well on his hires maybe he's not that's not his line of work maybe he wants to be something else maybe he wants to be and sometimes there's pressure there as well mm-hmm. um, and that kind of challenges parents and families as well I hear that sometimes you know that son was fine but he's not yeah, yeah. or he's there's an issue there and as I said you can't compare children you can't compare you know your sons or your daughters the same way um, and that's a big mistake that we sometimes make so I'd like to move on to something um, in terms of how men and boys sort of manifest distress and emotional difficulties. Um, now, there's loads of statistics. We know that men also suffer from de- depression. Actually, we, you know, men can also get postnatal depression as well. Sometimes they say about one in ten men. Um, but I think they tend to suffer from as much depression as women, but they're less likely to ask for help. Mm. Um, but they also manifest depression, etc., in different ways. You know, and that can be they can be more irritable so depression typically people might feel low have their sleep and appetite might get affected their concentration they might lose interest in things so these are core features of depression but in men you know evidence suggests that look they're more likely to become angry or irritable or you know take greater risks or become more aggressive and then we know later on in life then that leads to them um, being at higher risk of suicide or mm. completing suicide mm. at certain stages of their life um, the more likely to get involved with drugs and alcohol and less likely to ask for help. So um, from your experience, how do boys and men so manifest some of the emotional distress or physical distress? So I guess we're talking about, you know, parents come to you or st- st- along these lines. But have you come across cases where or how do you think, how can you tell this boy is, young boy is struggling or there's issues here? So I'm just interested to, from your experience in terms of where you know how that comes across, because we've talked about. I guess that we'll think about how we mm. manage some of that, and we talked about that. But how do you know a young boy is struggling? But also, I think the other thing I'd like you guys to touch upon is we talked a bit about you know aunties and mums coming to ask you for help. Where do these young boys, if they're struggling, how are they asking for help? You know, are they telling anyone if they're distressed? What are they doing mm. in your experience? What are they doing when they're struggling? Mm. How do they make sense of it? So, yeah, Abdul, I mean, with it? I mean um, just personally, you know, just two birds with one stone there. Like, I tutor secondary school students when it comes to exam time. And I mean, maybe it's like even in the short, like about seven years that I've been doing this, I've like the instances of real, like, Stress, like you know, I can, like you can. It's almost tangible. Um, one case, I had a student who 
following his exam period, he developed Bell's palsy. Half his face was kind of paralysed, and that was just. And I, honestly, I felt as though that was from the sheer stress of the exam period. Mm. Stress um, he was putting on himself, or his, uh, other people were putting and, on him. And also, I think it comes to uh, you know a lot of times. Maybe it's a cultural thing, but uh, you know the amount of stress that's put on children uh, around yes. those periods to to perform really well, <coughs> get A's. You know, as Stadshock was saying that, you know, n- it's not education. You know, higher education, all these things aren't built for everybody, um, but it's the kind of done mm. thing. And so the, I think it's because it's become so standardized in that sense yeah. as well, that expectations just kind of really manifested like quite deep roots. Um, and so for me, you can see it in them that, that, you know, I saw this individual slowly progress from somebody who was quite quiet to being almost somebody who's quite irritable, especially as you got towards that peak exam time. After that, didn't hear a word uh, from him, you know, once we finished his exams and stuff. How do you think he was managing that stress or how was he dealing with that or how was it affecting him? I don't think, you know, the thing was is that we had sessions that lasted six hours for tutoring then. It was like addressing the problem, right? which which seemed sensible at the time. But now in hindsight, I think, you know, at that point, you know, I, I think there's also this thing about the mother's involvement as well. You know, you kind of mentioned this idea of the mother always being there at the kind of beck and call but also as a as a big pressure yeah. uh, on on the boys to kind of uh, and often it does come from from what I can see in terms of my tutoring it tends to be the mothers that have this high expectation of their boys it's interesting because I think teachers are actually really good at picking up on this stuff yeah, isn't yeah. it where they often take a step back to say look you know uh, you know for kids f- getting into fights at school mm-hmm. You know, so the really good teachers will be probably like sheikhs and people with you know good sort of knows you know people's personality. They'll take a step back and say, actually, why is this change? What's yep. going on at home? Yep. Are the other stresses? Is it bullying and stuff? Yep. So that's almost just the tip of the iceberg. You know, yeah. if they're getting irritable yep. or things. Mm-hmm. But then you find a lot of things like you know them not having uh, other like male groups of friends as well. Yeah. That's an important thing as well. I mean, one thing we've got to recognise: growing up as a teenager is tough. Mm-hmm. We've been through it. <laughs> Growing up as a teenager is tough. Um, in why, many why, is ways, it, why is it tough, Shuk? Why is it tough? I mean, if we look at our own example, um, I think you know we touched on stuff like identity, touched on you know stuff about well-being, that kind of stuff. The reason we have all that is that because again, going back to the same old, I'm sure you had this discussion in other shows about the cultural effect, the religious effect, the um, the emotional effects. You know, it's so many things that are, they're they're juggling in the air that they don't know where where to start and where to stop, sort of thing. So what a lot of young people do need, and this is you know when they show emotions and when they show anger, for me that's a, a, they're challenge challenge channeling it in a way where it's, as I said, I cry for help. You know, I need help. Now, what 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 type of help? That's a that's a different thing. Now, is that a, a case where you know? child does have some issues, mentally health issues, and God forbid in our community, mental health issues, you know yourself, how much of a taboo subject it is, you know, that's another topic for another show for another day but you know the issues there, I mean no parent's going to come and say my, there's an issue with my son or there's an issue with my daughter no way in God's earth that's going to happen but unfortunately there are issues that are happening and again sometimes we won't open up to them as parents or the child as I said is Showing that through anger, through behaviour, through um, you know, if he's got Instagram or Facebook, you know the stuff that he's posting up. Maybe he's posting up certain things. Mm-hmm. 
you know, showing, and these are indicators to show that the person is needing some, or he's crying out in some way that I need help or something. But again, if you don't have that support through a community, as in, I don't know, through a network or through health NHS or whatever, or people are not willing to go there, you know, it's, it's, it's a big issue. And, and unfortunately, over the last few years, and, and I'm sure you know more than I, but the number of young people that are from the BME community are ending up in mental health is is, is increasing. And it's not it's not a case to go voluntarily. It's a case of whereby they've been referred by by police, God forbid, or by social work or by other people. It's not a case where, you know, somebody's picked up and willing to say that I do need help. That's very rare or it doesn't happen that often, sorry. So I guess that that really helpfully links into I guess some of these underlying narratives. One is I guess boys don't cry, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. You don't show emotions because if you show emotions it means you're weak, right? Or if you open up to a friend that I you know, I'm stressed or anxious, you know, you can get bullied, you can get slagged off, you can get and shake I'm particularly I guess coming on to you. So I guess there's a few of these narratives. One is, you know, boys don't cry. Um and you don't show emotions. Um and this links in there's very much we joke particular at work in terms of this this kind of west of scotland male type mm. thing so it's not even just men in general but there's something about you know this we you know physically west of scotland males are different but actually you know you know often you'll joke that you know particularly a west of scotland male doesn't show emotion he doesn't talk about his feelings you know he, he you know he particularly non-muslims you know he deals with it by getting angry or drinking a lot at the pub you know you see old firm matches you know you see the domestic abuse mm. going up after mm. you know these matches so the idea of you know if there's a west of scotland male in his 40s or 50s he's not going to tell his pals look i've i'm really stressed at work you know or because you just get the mickey taken at him and you know amongst even muslim circles that is very much a thing so how do you know is that an okay thing? Is that is that a sign of strength? Saying actually we don't show emotions because there's the other bit is that you know the man is expected to, you know, you know the women are the emotional, they're the strong rocks, you know, and rocks don't show emotion, they don't sh- you know waver, and that's very much then these expectations we talk about both as fathers as individuals that we're then aspiring to. Um, and so is that a wrong aspiration that we should be aspiring to? So Sheikh, I'd be really interested to hear your perspective on this. Yeah, I think I think the first thing um, when you were mentioning all those stats and how men uh, don't talk about their feelings, they don't um, search for support, this is just a, a, a general society thing. So, I mean, when I'm looking at kind of um, relationship books or I'm looking, say, even if it's domestic abuse or something <coughs> like that, you find that a lot of victims who are male will not seek support because mm. it's not a manly thing to admit that your you know your wife has been beating you up um, or you can't handle your 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 wife or your partner so this is i think we have to understand this is a this is an issue that i mean i mean we're having this on radio ramadan this is probably a a topic that'll be happening on another radio station which has got nothing to do with muslims it's just a general society issue that um, society as a whole is trying to to deal with. Just to interject on that exactly, I mean, some of the references that we, you know, research we've been doing as part of this was there's an article about calling breaking the silence of Scottish men. It's by a non-Muslim, you know, and he talks about these things, you know, this aspiration of being brave heart and all these expectations that men don't talk about their emotions. So yeah, yeah. So as I totally echo you. Yeah, and and the thing is, I mean, the kind of stuff I've read as well. If you look at the way boys are, are brought up. You know, if you look at who are their role models or like their heroes, it's like Batman, Superman, 
Um, you know, you've got all these now Avenger figures, right? You, none, none of them, you don't see any of them crying or seeing a counsellor or, you know, they're always like tough. They're always like really macho, massive muscles, everything. They don't really show emotion much. Um, so so this is what they're, they're, they're getting fed. So whether it's in play or whether they're actually watching it, these are the kind of heroes, these are the kind of man, the, the people that you kind of look up to. So that's kind of inculcated in the whole um, uh, society. I think what Stat Shocker was talking about, um, that we have to just kind of recognise it is difficult for young people. I think it's difficult for young people in general and then it's difficult for young Muslims even more because we all know about the Islamophobia and racism and all these other issues that we fa we face as well. We're adults, but for a, a, somebody who's fourteen, fifteen, who's born post nine eleven, um, you know, growing up in that environment, so they've got all the issues that young people have. They have all the issues of being a Muslim and being different. So this, and then you know it might be that they've not had a great role model in their home. There's so many things going on, and this is this brings us on to something that we've not um, kind of maybe or maybe we don't focus enough is the influence of the virtual world, like social media, the pressures of social media. Assalamualaikum and welcome back to our final part on um, the emotional and mental health in boys and men uh, as part of our. Um, series of shows in in the studio with myself. I have we have our co-host Abdul Wadud. We have Sheikh Ahmed Jamil and Ustad Shokat Aksi. Um, Sheikh Ahmed, just before the break, we were talking. Uh, you touched upon this idea of the virtual world uh, that you called it. But this whole area, I'd like to really explore further. Is this idea of the online world, social media, what impact that has um, on young boys growing up, uh, both in terms of how they cope with things, how they are you know managing their expectations what sort of men they are to be um, but also how that could play a part in some of the solutions which we'd like to focus on this part of the show um, and I'm very mindful I mean one of the main things on social media is it's these endless quotes that you can get isn't it really inspiring quotes deep quotes that people forward on um, and often, you know, uh, when I speak to my wife, if you look at her timeline on Facebook, is very different to mine. <laughs> right? So mine's all, I don't know, bakwas as well. But hers, you know, it's all positive messages. You know, a woman is strong and this. Or, you know, all of these, you know, positive connotations. So I guess there's some of that in terms of uh, what effect is that having on boys as well. So um, really open that up to all of our guests, really, in terms of thinking about the online impacts um this has on young boys and especially because a lot of timelines now this virtual world there's a lot of females on there as well as part of their friend list and you know that um, for young boys you know hitting puberty and stuff and hormones that's I'm sure that has an impact um, so Sheikh Ahmed do you want yeah, to start um, and kick off <coughs> yeah so um, I think it was, it was when Stadshock it was saying before that um, you know it is tough for young people and we were young once and what what came to my mind was yeah but we didn't have social media you know, so it was, I mean, it was difficult. We had, I mean, we had our own issues, like, because uh, a lot of our parents were not born, brought up here. So we had kind of, you know, communication issues or, you know, trying to get our parents to understand what we were going through at school and all the rest of it. But, uh, I mean, we might be born, brought up here, but our era was different. So the just the sheer number of influences, external influences that they have, we didn't have to cope with. So I think um, that, when he said that, I was thinking, well, it's it's really hard now, mm -hmm. for and it's not just boys, it's girls as well. I mean, I mean, we we know all these issues that girls have, um, and there's been enough enough in the in the, the media to 
for people to know to know that you know can lead to death uh, in, in severe cases. But this whole idea of image of how you look uh, has become very important. Isn't and and I've noticed. I mean, it's just something maybe, uh, or maybe it's just uh, when I was young, I didn't really bother as, as much, but. Um, I just feel that, that, that like, like one sim- simple thing I've seen is that men are more, or younger men are more into how they look, uh, and just grooming, you know, like kind of grooming products that, that you know, even now it's like never mind, it's just like uh, other stuff. But there's like like if people got beards, they've got shampoo, they've got conditioner, oil, and <laughs> they've the got oil, they've got combs and all that, mustache wax, and I think Abdul Wadud uses oh. a few of these. <laughs> <laughs> me out on that, right? <laughs> that that beard is glistening in here yeah, it does <laughs> <see a> bit. <laughs> I was actually thinking it does look a bit perfect there um, but you know like that in itself just the whole idea of how you look your image um, and I think for us going forward you could probably do a whole program on social media and virtual the virtual reality but I think it's about we were talking about you know raising um, boys role models etc communication but it's about adding that other element in that look virtual the virtual world is a a reality for my children and how are they interacting with it so I've not not only got to talk to them on the dinner table about school and other things but I need to now also keep an eye on their social media and engagement and and maybe I was a word I just thought of which is virtual uh, virtues Mm -hmm. so you know like what are what are your ethics you know how should you be um, dealing with social media you're talking about having um, female friends or whatever okay so what what are the boundaries so are we actually you know this is the problem you're young a, young a young person 14 15 years old and he's just let loose on social media no one's taught him how do i how do i navigate this where you know who's guiding this person and i think even just more so i think when we talk about social media i actually think whatsapp is a massive one because mm-hmm. And a lot of young, bo- you know, boys and stuff. They on they end up on these groups and with males and females. So it's almost I think Facebook is and social, you know, Twitter and Instagram, Snapchat is one thing. But actually, I think WhatsApp is really a whole because that's a bit more of a closed environment, but a very intimate environment actually. Mm-hmm. And you can have discussions. Yeah. So I mean, I think that that's where boundaries. Yeah. Are. Yeah. I mean, this is something that adults are struggling with. Yeah. So if you can if you if you can imagine adults with everything they've got all the skill sets and life experience they're struggling with it, so how much more difficult is it for a fourteen fifteen year old? So I think just appreciating that it's difficult, but then it's not just that it's actually engaging with them. Um, and like I said, if we'd started if you started a lot earlier, your communication should already be hopefully good. And then when they're going into our social media is becoming more and more of a, a reality for them. It's like just talking to them about it and. You know, almost like acting as a, a guide. That look, you know, this is our boundaries. These are the things we should do. These are the things we shouldn't do. Just because you're on uh, a device, you know, doesn't mean that you you can do this or you can do that. So just like, you know, obviously it spills into bullying and all these other things. So if they are engaged in something and they see somebody's being bullied, just the same we would say, well, you're a person, you're you're a Muslim, you have ethics. If you see an injustice, you'd stand up to it. If it was happening in front of you and say the playground, same thing you would do online. So if somebody in that group is getting bullied or made made fun of, and you can see it happening, you need to step in and say, "I'm sorry, but I don't think this is right. You know, this is not the way we should be behaving." So it's it's almost like this that we need a <laughs> we need to do a lot of work on just this whole virtual world and what are the virtues, what are the boundaries, what are the ethics, 
um, around that and, and really helping young people, giving them a guide, giving them, giving them some sort of navigation through this reality which is their life now. And what we know about some of the social media is um, with all the algorithms actually, um, and this is one of the wider concerns, is that you end up in this sort of echo chamber. Of, you, you know, you follow people or you're part of these other people that are very similar so you don't hear other views mm. and sometimes it's kind of that perpetuates that image and I was interested to start shocking in terms of you know is this sort of echo chamber you know you're how are kids um, or young people navigating that because the idea of actually what are what is expected of me who are my role models it's not just now who's in your community it's actually across the world now mm. you know and what are what you know what does it mean to be a Muslim man is it your Arturo figure type thing <laughs> is it you know some guy who's very emotionally connected yeah. you're getting bombarded with these and you know this idea of even which is a separate show but this idea of masculinity and Islam yeah. you know should you be more feminine or less or, you know or more harsher yeah. and you know then you get hadith bombarded at you yeah. that a man is like this or you know this is how he treats other people and you know and it's just that you know humongous amount of information mm. a young undeveloped brain is dealing with so how are you supposed to navigate that or that's a big question I'm what, what, like, like that. I mean no, what impact does that have I'm just what, yeah you know for, for me I think um when, when when speaking with young people and engaging with young people I think you know we were talking about earlier on we were talking about how young people it's tough for young people growing up it's tough uh, you know finding an identity culturally religiously whatever way and for them social media is a form of escapism you understand just to get away from that reality of pressure from parents pressure at school pressure from pals all that kind of so for them it's kind of a place that they feel they're happy at and and even for adults, I think sometimes we are kind of you know we want that kind of space as well, and you know when we talk about social media, I think it's an issue for everybody across the community, it's for young people, absolutely, every, even ourselves. Um, but I think for young people, it's a form of escapism in the sense that they're getting away from that reality because the, the reality is stressful, reality is difficult, it's a challenge. Whereas this virtual world, I can make it what I want to make mm -hmm. it. You understand? I can make it any way that I want. You know, look at these games like Fortnite and stuff like that. You know, I was with young people not too long ago and I said, look, you know, we've got a lesson to off, oh, another durse or whatever else. I said, look, let's just do this today. I'll talk for 10, 15 minutes and I'm going to get you guys to talk about Fortnite for the next hour. And I'm telling you, the next hour they were talking about it, and I got an idea of what what it's all about, and the characters and the figures, and what the mission of the game is, and what you pick up, and you get this type of gun, you make these kind of buildings, and you go, you know, I was getting this all this information. I'm thinking, these guys are brilliant. First of all, right in terms of the way they think, man, they've got the strategy, they've got everything in place. So in some ways, I was thinking, how can I, how can I use that in a positive way? Because they've already got it, if you get what I'm saying. It's yeah, already yeah. there. But how can I use that in a positive way? And when we did speak about it, I was thinking, you know, then I took from it, like, strategy, and I spoke about Battle of Ohud, the Battle of Badr, you know, you know, all these things about, you know, recent people like Omar Mukhtar and all these, you know, great people. These guys, I goes, that's virtual. That's, you know, obviously you see that screen. But this is reality. We can see this for real because it's happened in history through this period and through that period and everything else. So it's kind of, I guess bringing them out of that reality into uh, out of that virtual reality into reality in a way that 
they can relate to it if you get what I'm saying they don't feel pressured or they don't feel that I'm being told that or I've not you know you know every two minutes you know I'm playing on my PlayStation and I'm online with like 10 friends from around the world and you know, like so. So just and, and you know, there was one thing. You know, not too long ago, there was a mum I was speaking to, and she was concerned about her boy. And 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 I goes, "What does he do all day? FIFA, all day, literally." But he, you know, he's at home. He's good. He's behaving at home. I goes, "That's not behaving." He he probably lacks social skills, and he did when you know, came into the class. He couldn't communicate with other people. Literally, you know, his way of communicating was very kind of. And I thought, you know, this is what it does as well. It just kind of takes away the whole social able to communicate speak to people younger or older than him because everything for him is 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 2Ds you know it's on it's on a flat screen out with that flat screen it's just something else that he can't manage no i mean just to pick up on that you know the importance of a shared activity for men is it's men function differently in that sense that women can readily talk about their emotions just over a cup of coffee whereas for men that's not a that's not an easy thing to approach to talk about your emotions so the importance of shared activities yep. is definitely and you know like the Fortnite stuff I mean why not if it's in a, yeah. in a, in a kind of sensible amount yeah. and stuff like that at least it's I mean yeah. better than the the other stuff that you yeah. might have going on um, but uh, you know I, I guess it's it's the virtual equivalent of yeah. of a shared activity and you know I, I've I've some well, children that are tutor, right? Yeah. <laughs> that they and they they have they've made friends. Yeah, and they they consider them friends but the, the, globally, but, and they will actually talk the, to the them reason, about the problems. But this is the thing. Sometimes, as I said, for young people, although you might not agree to it or whatever else, you might have an opinion about it. But at least acknowledge what they're doing. That's what mm -hmm. I did. You know, they spend hours on Fortnite. I acknowledge that. I said, look, you guys spend. I wouldn't say you spend hours, but you like Fortnite. Tell me about why yeah, you yeah. like. What's what? And they could just. You know, they're coming out with this and that. You know, I feel like, wow, man, I should do this more often, <laughs> you know, with these guys. Because they were just coming out with it and you can see that they they were passionate. They loved what it, you know, they were really thinking about it. And I thought, okay, I've got that passion and, you know, I've got it there. Let's let's use it for something else. But and that's you, when I kind of took it on to that. Did you get the temptation to say, look, it's a waste of time. You know, you, you see, should. Be, yeah, no, I'm just... I, I think you end up I, devaluing as, as, as the, the of, devil's advocate. Is that saying, father's figure? Is that parent? You think... You know, get that off. Yeah. Why dare you and stuff like that? But I thought, you know, let's think differently. That's that's what they would have expected. You know, or son, you shouldn't be playing so many hours on. But I thought, let's turn it around. Let's try it this way, and you could just see it. And then, you know, as I said, it's to utilize and 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 channel that emotion in a way where let them think differently and that you know stuff like you know CBT is making them think cognitively yeah. different yeah, yeah. not the same line everybody thinks of think you know what about this what about that you know object to what mm. they're doing in a way that they feel not threatened if yeah, you get yeah. what I'm saying I think they that, feel yeah. alright I, I get that I get what brother shock is saying or whatever you know stuff like you know yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, kind of yeah. at least uh, you know uh, putting a seed into yeah, them yeah, yeah. I think I think it's it. dangerous going the other end and saying oh that's yeah, yeah, yeah. rubbish because what then you do is you encourage them just to have like a secret yeah like it becomes something that's very yeah. private and kept away from you yeah. so being able to talk about again we were talking about you know communication and that has to be done in the early right from the early stages so you mentioned Abdul with this idea of having some sort of medium or conduit for men to yeah. be able to you know they won't discuss it over a cup of tea but the, yeah. through a, an activity or something so Sheikh one thing I, I know you wanted to talk about 
is this idea of uh, some people call it sacred sports, sunnah sports. Some people I know got big up, you know, hang ups about this sort of uh, what makes it sunnah or not. You know that type of that's a separate discussion. But I guess thinking about things like um, from the sunnah archery and horse riding and swimming, etc. Um, what role does that ha- have in terms of can that can we find some of the solutions in that or other activities? So thinking about actually how we make spaces for these young people to actually because I think Shoka what, what you're mentioning in terms of the fortnight is moving from actually an activity to actually finding meaning within that or less lessons you can learn from mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. so I guess there's you know other other things that you can do through sports and activity and uh, you know in Glassware we're fortunate a lot of organizations are now doing the hill walking and all this sort of stuff so thinking about you know how do we you know, help support these um, young young men who might be having some of these emotional difficulties or don't know how to express them. Yeah. Um, I, I think as a like, community, how do we start moving forward? I, I think, like, as Abdul Wadud was saying, you know, uh, um, gen- the general nature of men is that they don't talk as much. So uh, it's not uncommon for me when I'm counselling a couple for the, the husband to kind of drag his feet and come there. Or sometimes, um, it's very difficult for them to admit that you know I failed as a husband or I failed as a father or whatever. It's a it's a difficult thing for them to take because they are supposed to be the providers, they're supposed to be the maintainers, they're supposed to have the the be the leaders. So it's almost like um, admitting that you've kind of failed at something. So that is that's a, a general uh, thing that men suffer from with the Muslim or or non-Muslim. So I think um, uh, we were talking about before about st- stress, stress uh, related to men, how they deal with it. I think there's, a, and you'll know this as a psychiatrist, there's always got to be an outlet for that stress. Now, I mean, uh, if you look at um, uh, like at some of the sacred sports, sacred sports basically meaning things that have been mentioned in, in Hadith, um, and this is what one of our, our, my colleagues, Sheikh Ibrahim OCF, are down in Liverpool, is very big on. Uh, and he's and he's basically um, kind of saying that you know b- these sports, if you look at them, they have there's a lot of deeper meaning that in, within them. So so for example, if you look at archery, archery um, helps you concentrate. Um, so so it's not just you know th- firing a, a bow and arrow, but it's basically there's there's something going on there. And um, we're living in a time where young people suffer from lack of you know concentration span so that it, it gets them out so why, why are they on these devices and stuff because they need something to do so if you don't give them anything to do I mean in our time what used to happen is um, bar that's the word you got right you go and study right if you played football it'd be like why are you playing football are you going to do you know what's that where, where, wherever is that going to get you stop doing that you know go and work in a shop or go and do something which has got a benefit um, little did they know that had they let the kid play football, he'd probably be earning a significant <laughs> amount of money, being a professional footballer, and um, probably influencing a lot more than he would sitting in a shop. But you know that this is a thing that's like not understanding the, the importance of it. But we should search and interrupt. But is that irony, or actually, most parents I know they're actually doing more with their kids to drop them off at clubs and activities, and every week seems to be packed. It doesn't either. Doesn't seem to be enough, or they're still. You know, you're saying you know giving them something to do but they still 
It's not in that, you know, still not hitting the spot really necessarily. Yeah, that's not all parents. That's not all, yeah. that definitely that is definitely not all parents. A lot of parents. Yeah, so a lot of parents are not doing that, and the ones the TV and the yeah, yeah the ones that are doing what you're saying that they're they're taking them to dropping off club to club to club. I think that's fantastic. That's exactly what they should be doing. Um, but I mean, obviously, there's only so much you can do, and this is the thing you have to kind of understand. You your duty as a parent is up to a certain point. When they become adults, they're responsible for their own actions. Our our um, job at that point is just to give them nasiha, give them advice, be their kind of support there, but let them, you know, make their own decisions and choices and, and live by them and fall by them. Um, but coming back to what I was talking about in terms of these um, sort of sacred sports, so, so Sheikh Ibrahim is obviously trying to revive this idea of archery, not just archery, wrestling. So um, there's a lot of things that happen. So, like I said, archery. This is the idea of concentration um, for long periods of time, um, and then of, of of perfection as well of of doing something over and over and over and over again. So you know, you know, like um, this uh, aids. This is a skill in itself. Being able to do something to perfection, and there's hadith about that, isn't it? If you if you do an action, then he should you should perfect it to the best of your ability and not get bored. People get bored too quickly. They get bored too quickly and then they have to go and do something else. So it's this idea of finishing, a lot of people start things and don't finish. So it uh, actually um, it solves a lot of those issues. So if you look at our wrestling, wrestling against again you you're 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 wrestling against another person and you know, so there's a struggle there and life's full of struggles. You know, you you're going to and sometimes in life you will get beaten, so so actually to to actually have somebody physically, um, you know, put you on the ground, pin you to the ground is a humbling process. So it it, it humbles the ego, um, and it teaches you that you know you will get pinned, but then you get back up, and you keep going, and then sometimes sometimes so life is, you know, wins and losses, um, and then if you look at uh, obviously swimming, swimming is like one of the best sports you can do. Um, it's like you know in the top sports is like one one like number three, one, within the first three anyway, uh, and the last thing is um, horse riding. So horse riding, um, there's a I mean that's something that see this is the thing archery, horse riding probably all of these things you probably would have naturally had done them in the past. So not only were you in the fresh air, you were eating organic food, you were connecting with nature. You were when you're, when you're when you're praying. You weren't just doing wudu from a tap. You're doing it from a stream. You're praying a rock. All of that. If you've ever done wudu in a stream and prayed in a rock, you and experience that versus a carpet praying in a carpet. Complete different experience. So these naturally were 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 de-stressing. These things naturally um, uh, um, uh, let you to uh, allow you to de- de-stress. And you know yourself. You know, now they talk. I mean, this. I was talking to one brother um, about this app that I, I got, and I never use it. It's called <coughs> Cam, and um, you know, it's just like water falls, and I mean, it doesn't do anything to me. And he goes, "Oh, it's fantastic." He goes, "I can't sleep without it." Yeah. I'm like, "Lo and behold, are you serious?" He goes, "Yeah." He goes, "I have to listen to that, and it calms me down, and all the rest of it." And this is a thing that instead of experiencing the real thing, yeah. we're we're we we've been reduced to apps, you know. And, th- and this is a thing we've got to. By all means, obviously he can't he can't be in nature uh, all the time. But I actually said to him it was a nice day. I said go to Loch Lomond, take your laptop and sit and and put your feet in the water and do your work. And he said it was it was brilliant. He goes I need to do this more often. So I think it's it's translating from virtual 
to physical, uh, getting them more into the physical world. So that I was talking about horse riding, this idea of horse riding. don't know if anyone's done any, but uh, I did a little bit. Uh, I was given it as a present and um, I, I took some lessons. Uh, it's not easy. Yeah. You know, it's not easy. <laughs> it looks so easy, but it's not easy. But um, one of the things I remember when the instructor was saying that the horse knows your emotions. So if you're nervous, the horse picks it up. So to 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 do horse riding properly, you've got to be fully in command. You've got to tell it right, left, stop, go, right. So you can't be you can't be indecisive. So it teaches you to be decisive. It teaches you to take charge. It teaches it teaches you how to control another another living being, right. So all of these things, um, you know, if you look at Ertugo, they're you know they're kind of riding horses all the time. It was a natural thing that was happening day in day out in archery wrestling you know all of these things which now we have to actually we have to actually promote these things there was one one of the, some of the brothers have actually been doing this um in zial quran one of the mosques they actually started doing it on a sunday they actually introduced wrestling and they were getting men you know grown men in wrestling each other um so i think that kind of stuff we need to see more of that kind of stuff happening and i think if we can be if we can invest a bit more into that kind of stuff i think that will tick a lot of boxes and it will help with de-stressing men it'll help them with a lots of lots of other kind of um good attributes that these these sports bring i think just just to add on to that, i totally agree with Amr there regards to those those sports and um even even ourselves i mean yourself a man i'm sure you've seen it as well i mean times when we've taken young boys to camps and you know out, out their environment basically to a different environment and they've come back and mums have said you know wow there's a change in my son you know just but that's just a you know it's a one-off but if there's something we could do regularly that could change them more so but even at that that was an indicator to you you know from us as well to see that you know mum's you know mum's phoned me up to him oh my son's different He's washing his cup, or he's doing, you know, something. He's something because what you've done, you like this stuff. You brought him out of his natural environment, his natural habitat, into something different. And sometimes we underestimate the ability of our young people. We don't give them the onus to kind of, uh, you know, develop themselves. And if we were to give them that, I think they would develop. But sometimes we put them in a situation where as you kind of earlier on took mummy's boy you know everything that's got to be done for him otherwise you know save a tantrum or whatever else god forbid so sometimes taking about the environment and i think that's so important and that's something but we were growing up we used to do it quite regular man ourselves I mean, we, used to, we used to go camping every summer almost um and that was a highlight you know one of the highlights of the year going away and camping and seeing nature and all that kind of stuff and coming back and there was something you took something from it all the time but again that's something i think we lack now as well because as, as, it, as somebody mentioned earlier we pamper our young people to to the point of where you know we don't even let them at the front door without you know worrying that something's going to happen nowadays you know back in the days we used to be kicking about to the daylight hours until we get home and we get okay old <laughs> in a very in a very very polite way <laughs> have you been all day Fanta. yeah so I think that's probably um, a good point to sort of wrap things up a little bit. With, as with any of these shows, it's really just to help us reflect a little bit, but start the process thinking, um, and as a community also thinking in terms of how we start to challenge this. There's no single answer, or you're not going to get all your answers in a 90-minute show, you know. Um, what I'll maybe do is just go around everyone to see if they've got any final comments or advice um, before we wrap things up. So... 
Abdul Wadud, from your perspective, any I mean, final I need reflections? The advice, I think, more than, <laughs> more than giving it yeah. out. But um, yeah, I think in terms of um, men, I think it's something we didn't, we never really discussed. But I think a really important thing is this kind of this passage of right into manhood as well is quite an important thing. We didn't really get the chance to discuss it at all. But I think this, when you start becoming responsible for other people, that's that's something that we really need to kind of, as a society you know, have something there to kind of encourage this development into, mm-hmm. you know, I'm now a responsible adult because we've just got a perpetual adolescence. So that's my little wee thought. I think that's a fascinating area and mm-hmm. um, perhaps a show in itself, you know. Ustad yeah, yeah. Shokat, any yeah. final Um I think for myself, um, I think... I mean, I just kind of said, Aman, it's not, there's not one solution. There's many things that can be done. And I think one of the things... I think it's important is to put our money where our mouth is sort of thing as well. As a community we have a responsibility to our younger generation and I really truly believe I think there should be a point of where as a community we should have a centre or a, a youth place or a place where young people can come to feel free, feel to share their emotions their feelings, whatever it is you know, a place where young people can learn and develop um, yeah, we kind of point to the mosques and Islamic centres and things that fear does but I think there's more needed and I think personally speaking it's a, a place where young people feel appreciated, feel recognised I think is very very important as well talking about all these issues and talking about transitioning into adulthood I think there's a place that's needed for that definitely for young people. And are you starting to explore that in terms yeah, of yeah, your own networks and I mean stuff? definitely it's something you know personally I'm looking at as well um, to, to look at in terms of you know as I said, you know, these kind of situations we always turn to certain institutes, certain places, but there isn't really a, a proper setup or a proper network where that really can be done properly and in, in the proper way in, 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 in a process where it will benefit young people rather than kind of just hoping that just send them to this or that place. It's more about thinking. developing that programme yeah. and suite of things rather yeah. than the places where it's to be held. That's almost a secondary discussion, isn't yeah, it? Nice. Fantastic. Ustad Shoka, it's really beneficial. And as as always, uh, Sheikh Hammer, if we can leave the final words to yourself for reflections on this before we sort of wrap up this show. Yeah, so this idea of um, mental, emotional um, health and men is extremely important. Um and uh, it's not something which I think we are struggling with uh, as a Muslim community exclusively. This is a, a thing which, which across society is an issue and many people are looking at it. Um, I think from our perspective, um, I think it's quite clear if you look at the Prophet wasallam, the impact he had uh, on the Sahaba, it was, it was through that physical relationship of being uh, part of their lives. So they sat in his company, um, he visited them when they were ill, they would go and see him, they would go on expeditions with him. So I think this idea of um, uh, role models or, or guides that, that are actually physically part of people's lives is extremely important, especially in a time when we're going so much on to the virtual. Um, I think we have to revive the, the physical, but also just recognise that, okay, the virtual is there, it's not going away. We also have to engage... Um, with that and that's something that, that parents, all of us, we need to kind of uh, take on board that we have to navigate this whole idea of the virtual world being a reality for our children and how do they how do they go forward it's not, I think it's fair, I don't think it's fair 
to just let young people, like you said, who are brains are still developing out in the whole big bad world without any guide, without any navigation and then complain when they have uh, issues. So I think we have to make a, 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 the whole role of parenting is changing. Um, and I think I, I love the, the story that Stadshockett mentioned earlier on about um, how he flipped the, the lesson and, and got them to talk about Fortnite because I think that's the key, it's engagement. So the idea of this youth centre, um, from from what I'm understanding, would be a place where young people can have those conversations, can have that dialogue, can get things off their chest um, and say things which maybe they, they have inside them but they, they don't feel they can. So it's, it's just to say, look, you can say whatever you want here, it's fine, it's a safe place where no one's going to judge you, no one's going to say anything to you, but we're here to help you, we're here to listen and help. Um, so I think that, I would say, is, is, is what we need. We need um, more guidance um, for, for young males um, and even for older males and we need to look at this prophetic model of um, the physical, the, the role of physical, that's what I was saying about the physical sports. Um, there's, a, there's a reality to um, the, the physical versus the virtual um, and then also this last thing of um, engagement and really engaging with young people and I was, I was giving a talk about um, three weeks ago I think it was or when it was in April um, to young people at the MAB camp and uh, my talk was all about um, the youth because that the, the, we were discussing this hadith of the, the people that will be given shade under the shade of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala seven categories and one of them is a young person who spent their youth in the worship of Allah and I was talking about why this cat, why this person's so special for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala why is he being given this rank and um, we as a community are very young we're the youngest of all the all the communities um, almost half of our population is under 25 so you know if we if we're not focusing uh, my argument was if that's half that's half your community at least half of your resources should be focusing on that um, because if you're not then it's as if you're saying, well, you represent 50% of the community, but we only spend 10% resources on you, and the 10% of the community we're spending 80% resources, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. Um, and these people, I said this to him as my f closing remarks to him, I said, you are the future. You are the future of Islam in this country, which is why um, we need to spend so much of our time and effort and resources, which is what I think Sheikh Ustashok is talking about, as having youth centres and stuff, because if unless you've invest in them, you're not going to get the, the best out of them, inshallah. Jazakallah khair. Thank you very much to all our guests today.